Welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm Dave Cohen. And I am James Carey. And today we have a, a very special guest. We have a writer, actor, comedian, um, uh, performer across comedy, really. Brilliant. And, uh, but uh, probably best known as a sketch writer. has written for loads of shows, uh, Horrible Histories, Spitting Image, Riot Girls. But is actually probably most well known for the sketches that she's done for Tracy Ullman and uh, Tracy Breaks the News. Uh, many of which have become massively viral and been seen by zillions of people across across the universe so it's a big sitcom geeks welcome to Gemma Arrowsmith yay thank you for having me <laughs> it's a pleasure and annoyingly I'm just thinking you can tell we're writers because I'm thinking all those plays you're getting on on the internet with your with your sketches oh, yeah. you're not you getting any money for any money for any of those no <laughs> no, 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 no there you go <laughs> yeah. we're, we're right into it already aren't we we've started whinging about money within 90 seconds yeah. brilliant <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you're the person that people, well, when they say, uh, someone says, oh, can you just do something for us? And, uh, you know, it'll get exposure. Um, and say, well, can I have some money? No, 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 no. You know, you know ask Gemma, you know, she, yeah, yeah. you know, you'll see. Um, yeah. But that, that's, that, we, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. I mean, but the first sure. thing we always, uh, we like to, to start when we uh, have a, a guest. Um, we are curious uh, to know, we're always keen to know what the hell made you think I want to be a comedy writer what were you when you were kind of growing up and uh... sitting cross-legged on the floor what was Gemma <laughs> watching on that big television yeah. though you had to change the channels by hand at least I don't know if you're as old as I me, did but... have to change the channels by hand I remember my my nan and granddad's uh, tv had those sort of big clunky buttons that you had to push in and it would push out the button yep. that had been down before it was one <laughs> oh, of those yeah. and it was a sort of Clunk. telly that you'd yeah. have to turn on and then leave it for a bit while it warmed up yeah um so yeah I do remember that um but uh, yeah, I remember it very clearly. I was, uh, I used to love all my cartoons like Duckula and D Danger Mouse. And uh, and then I was I was with my mother in a a, a video rental shop. So this dates the, the, the anecdote. And um, there was a, a wall of cartoons and on the back, the wall behind on the opposite side, it was comedy. And there was a VHS, a VHS that stood out to me for some reason and it was Faulty Towers. And my mother said, oh, that is really funny. You would really, really enjoy that. I was about 10 and um, we got it out. And that was the beginning of like a big deal for me. I just thought it was, I could not believe how funny it was. I, could, I couldn't handle how amazing it was. And um, so year, when I was 10, that was a big year because I watched Faulty Towers and I first started watching Red Dwarf as well, which was another big show for me. And then the, think the subsequent year, I started watching Bottom with uh, Rick and Aid. And those, yep. are the, those are sort of triumvirate of important shows when I was this, 10. <laughs> this sounds like a template of the, 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 the James Carey story. Oh, really? Not only that, yeah. I, I discovered on Twitter that uh, you're a big fan of Due South. Which, uh... Oh man, yeah, that was on my Twitter recently. So I used to love Due South. Oh my goodness, um, it's it's uh, it's very funny and it's a bit like Sherlock Holmes, which I was a teenage obsessive of, of Sherlock Holmes. So it's kind of he, in fact, uh, Fraser, the the main character, was described when they were putting the show together as an outdoors Sherlock Holmes. So it's sort of I could see my interests kind of coming together when I was watching. <laughs> Due For me, South. I think what's really interesting about Due South, which as you announced on. Twitter, somebody's just really uploaded high high definition because you can't find yeah. it anywhere. You just cannot get hold of it except on really expensive. Yeah, DVDs. region one imports that you have to get. And I yeah. I absolutely love that show. And one of the reasons I particularly love it is that Benton Fraser 
Ledger, the Mountie, is the closest fictional character to Jesus you're ever going to find. Because he's just, he's, he's so, so good. good. But what's brilliant about it is one of my bits of advice on sitcom writing is to turn up a virtue to make it a vice. Mm. He's so good, it drives his, you know, uh, partner absolutely crazy. Yeah, it's so funny, um, isn't it? Is and that, also, they, they do why... some brilliant things. I'm sorry. sorry, I was going to say, is that the, is a play on the word due there in uh, due south? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> oh, there you go, Cohen. Always turning it around. Go on, Gemma, they, what are you going to say? They do some really nice things, and they're very... I've recently re-watched all of it in that, that wonderful AI upscale, and um, they do some brilliant things, very sketchy things, where they take a person who is very, very good and won't ever lie and put him in situations where he has to lie. So there's an episode where he has to be like a used car salesman undercover and he's and they're going, no, you've got to lie. You've got to lie to the people and say, oh, you know, and he's just he's terrible at lying. So he's going, oh, yes, I drove this uh, van myself all the way to Africa. <laughs> like, you just can't, you just can't, you can't lie well. So bad and then there's another lie, one where yeah. he has to go into a poker game and so he's, you know, he's got no poker face. He can't, he can't bluff yeah. people. It's great. It's a, it's a really it's great amazing. show. It's practically a sitcom, oh, yeah. isn't it? I mean, Absolutely. in one sense, it's, it's really sitcom-like. And then it's got like really good yeah. mysteries and police procedurals behind yeah. it as well. I just think it's great, yeah, yeah, really yeah. good. I'm, I, I'm interested in that, um, you know, you have these sort of almost identical growing up tastes to James here. Um, and I, I realise this is a, a massive generalisation, but it could be an experiment here. To, interesting how uh, James has become like a mad, crazy sitcom geek. Um, and you, you are really the kind of, you're, you're the kind of undisputed queen of sketch, really, uh, in this country. <laughs> I don't know how I think, that's happened, I think you sure. are You are sketch geek, I would, I would say. If there was <laughs> fine, a podcast, fine. that would be you. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to know where, whether that was a, like a conscious move or is it just kind of that that, that was the, 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 rhythm, the rhythms that you love to write yeah. in? I think it's just mm. what I think it's also what opportunities present themselves to you in the industry. So you just as a writer, you you go with what's uh, available to you. And um, I've written on lots of animation as well, because that's something that's presented itself to me. And that's where I've done more. Mm narrative things but um, yeah it's it was getting the um getting sent the brief for Tracy was like a, a yeah a big a big thing for me because it just it took me up a whole level and like the doors suddenly opened that I didn't even know existed and you know so yeah and I think so yeah. then it was like, oh Gemma's great at writing sketches let's get her in for our sketch show so I think it's just where the tide takes you as well as by design you know but I think also your your taste in sitcom, and to some extent mine, uh, that Red Dwarf mm. thing, I think demonstrates. So Red Dwarf is full of ideas. Yeah. So although yeah. there are really good characters, being a science fiction show, every every episode, especially every good episode, has a really clever, yeah. smart idea at the heart yeah. of it. That's uh, why I think White Hole, of course, being my favourite episode. episode. Um, I think seasons one and two, um, you know, before they get the you know, Crichton in and they get the big upgrade mm. and the sets and everything. I think seasons one and two have some amazing writing because they had such a tiny budget. And so they had the, the, the stories, the, the actual science fiction, because I'm a big science fiction fan as well. The, the science fiction had to be absolutely bulletproof because they, they didn't have the snazzy set or anything like that or the amazing mm. costumes and everything. And the budget was minuscule. So it's like, right, well, the writing yeah. has to be incredible because it's not going to look pretty. So we've got to make it yeah. amazing. The, the actual dialogue and it is I just love I love seasons yeah. one too 
Yeah. And so sketches is very much in the world yeah. of what's the idea. Yeah. So well, there you can create a For character, sure. which is kind of on the way to a sitcom. The idea, you know, the idea of each sketch has to be crystal clear. Yeah. Doesn't I think it? it's the difference between sketch and character comedy. Like um, in character comedy, you're just sort of drilling down into the mind and psyche of the character. And in, in sketch comedy, broadly, it's about the premise. Not that's not that's not a sort of hardly defined um, rule because I think I was watching the kids in the hall documentary and um, they definitely do things that overlap between sketch and character comedy. But uh, uh, in my, my sketches that I write, it's definitely like the premise is king. Like what is the idea? What is the thing of this sketch? What is the, the engine of this sketch? And the characters fall into place off the back of the idea rather than the other way around. I mean, do you think that uh, in a sense, I was sort of thinking about um, shows like Father Ted Mm. which have a very that, that I guess they were kind of writing that round about the same time that they were doing all those sketches for uh, Lexi Sale and then they went on yeah. to do uh, Big Train but there, there, there is a, almost a kind of uh, so, some of the set pieces in, in Father's Head have that kind of sketchy feel and um, I think sure. and I, I've, I've been getting people to write sketches um, kind of for their own sake really uh, as, as much as uh, uh, for, for, for any other reason but I mean there, there's not a lot of call at the moment for sketches are there in uh, yeah. around but so what do you what reasons do you give for, for getting people to write sketches I think it's just a, a the training ground that leads you on to all other types of writing to be honest I think all of the lessons you learn in sketch comedy you can then take on to more narrative forms it's just not a surprise to me that um some of our some of our best sitcom writers started in sketch comedy so you know obviously you've got john cleese who wrote Forty towers with connie booth and and then you've got um jennifer saunders who started in sketch comedy and then you've even got people like jordan peele who started in sketch comedy so you, you you've got this sort of three-part structure of setup escalation and, and payoff and you're going to take that three three act structure into pretty much everything it's not it's not a one-to-one -one correlation but you can definitely take the or you need to set things up before you pay them off you can take that into half hour sitcoms into hour and a half movie scripts uh, i think it's just a, a great training ground sketch comedy it's like a microcosm for all other types of writing for quite a long period of time you could trace an awful lot of sitcoms back to the writing team of the two ronnies so, so true that yes. would have david that would have david renwick um and um uh, marshall uh, Andrew Marshall. Andrew Marshall. Andrew Marshall, yeah. um, who went on to 2.4 Children. Yeah. And in one sense, you know, and lots of others uh, as well. Uh, David Nobbs and, and uh, Nobbs, John, Sullivan. John Sullivan, who is yeah. possibly one of the greatest British sitcom writers of all time. Mm. And they just knew how to maximise a funny idea. And in a way, a sitcom is where you're getting your characters into those situations, as you sent with, like with Benton Frazier in Due South. Mm. This guy won't lie or at least lying for him is a very serious problem. So how can we get into that situation? And once we're there, let's just make sure we rinse it for every joke we can. Yeah. Let's pour uh, gas on that central conceit as yeah. much as yeah. possible. Let's make their lives really difficult. I've got a lot of students who, one, one of the most typical um, notes I give is make your characters' lives worse. It's like, it's fine, they don't exist. So we can we can really, you know, torture them. Give them hell. Yeah, it, absolutely. And everyone's, I think, it's about being, if you're a very polite person, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to upset these fictional characters. <laughs> so I'm always saying, no, like, put, make this way worse. Let's escalate it by bringing in a third character. Let's, let's escalate it by taking it here where it's even, where the, the central conceit is even worse. Um, yeah. there's, I was watching, 
I also got COVID. We were talking before we started recording about getting COVID and I got COVID in um, January and I decided I wanted some comfort watching and I decided to watch all of Frasier uh, from all 11 seasons of Frasier again. Wow. And there's an episode of, of Frasier where they accidentally, they're in uh, an RV and they accidentally go into Canada and they have oh, yeah. to come back in. And Daphne's one. really worried that she, her visa doesn't allow her to leave the country. And so she's really worried. And I sit in there going, Oh, I hope they don't stop her. I hope they don't stop them when they come back in. I'm thinking, of course. And then I sort of came out of myself and went, of course they are. That's imagine if we if we let our sitcom characters be comfortable and happy. Yeah. How boring would that be? Yeah. So yeah. I think that's one of the one of the reasons that maybe people let the characters off the hook is I think because we're now very much in the era of authored, authentic situation mm. comedy, where essentially the main character is you. Yeah. So a lot of people are writing a sitcom where essentially they are the main character. And therefore, the reason they don't give the characters hell is because they don't want to give themselves, themselves hell. Themselves hell. That's funny. And, That's interesting. I never and they will always before. excuse or work out a way why this calamity won't happen to that person. I think it's obviously it's a very subconscious thing. But That's it is hard. If, if the main character is you, it takes a real skill. This is one thing that Miranda had. It was a real privilege to see her at work working on her show. Is She yeah. knew that she had to be absolutely humiliated um, yeah. And that the audience would love it, even though they loved her. She perfectly understood that she just had to make it worse and worse yeah. and worse. Lee Mack, similarly as well, you know, he has to be he has to be caught with his hands in the till, you know, like mm. and uh, you know, the, whilst his trousers yeah, are also down, the lights yeah. are shining, the police are there, and yeah, you know, it's it, it, it sort of all building to that, and that's it's great when somebody has that self awareness, but I think that's part of the part of the problem when writers are starting out, um, and. I, I, starting out, God, I, it took me about 30 years to kind of realise that actually there's things about myself that I've always lied to myself about. That and, I, and once I started to kind of admit things that I had never admitted, um, my comedy characters seemed to improve, I think. <laughs> and, um, that's so that, that's, I mean, having, having that self-awareness is great. I just wanted to come back to one thing you talked about there, about the man who could only tell the truth. Um and it just and it reminded me that you know we mentioned uh, Basil Fawlty. Basil Fawlty can only lie, and <laughs> that character is not it is not John Cleese, but Michael Palin uh, in the Pet Shop uh, in the Parrot sketch. He cannot tell the truth. That he's a sort of proto Basil Fawlty. So there's another example of how yeah. how a sketch a character in a sketch. Obviously, there's lots and lots of other layers on top of it but essentially so it'd be like benton fraser and basil faulty <laughs> stand in front of two doors one can only lie <laughs> one can only tell the truth <laughs> wow what a weird picture we've conjured yeah. here yeah. Yeah. one of yeah. them has got a yeah. fox in his uh, sack and the other's rowing a chicken across the river um, <laughs> <That's> yeah. <great. laughs> yeah, yeah. But i think just going back to those that sketch approach and again these are mm. the building blocks of sitcom i guess it's getting yeah. people to see that the, the sitcom is a series of escalating sketches. Oh, They're yeah. like a nest of sketches, aren't they? Yeah. I also think, um, I mean, a lot of American sitcoms, their cold open is pu is a pure sketch. So, uh, you know, and it, it often not connected to what happens mm. then after the intro. It's like 100% a sketch. I remember there's one there's an episode of Modern Family. Oh, gosh, it's been so long since I've watched it, so I'm going to forget everyone's names. Um, Jay? 
and he and what's the name of his wife? Gloria. Gloria. So okay, so Jay and Gloria. And then not to forget Gloria's name, by the way. Yeah, I know. So Jay and Gloria are. Um, do, trying to do an answer, record an answer phone message. And it's just that it's such a simple joke of like that she just can't get it right. She can't get it right before the beep and doesn't understand how the and she And then she starts saying the beep and it's like, no, you don't need to say the beep. <laughs> the, the beep just happens. Um, and it's just like a pure sketch that you could just lift that out of the show and it just be in a in yeah. a sketch show. It's like, it's what I refer to as an I'm with stupid sketch where character A is trying to explain something to character B. Character B doesn't understand that thing and you get a like a lot in in big train there's loads and loads of those in, in big train so it's like 100%. immediately after the gun that yeah yeah exactly the... immediately after the gun no straight straight line straight, straight line mike yeah. <laughs> it's such Very an amazing good. sketch i remember Beautiful. when they were when they were trailing uh big train uh they just played that whole sketch as a trailer for big train because it's so short and so tight well it's a, tight a, but it's what a brilliant what a not brilliant even that ever. short but it, it, i just love the fact that they just said here you go it's beautiful <laughs> this is like what this. it's like it's yeah. so good it's fantastic Amazing. i use a lot of big train sketches um in my classes because they're just like gorgeous examples like textbook <laughs> examples yeah. of like escalation or whatever yeah. but anyway yeah sorry i was saying that um that in in that modern family that's just 100% sketch it's not related to what happens after but there are like you say there are also scenes in in sitcoms that you could also lift out there's an episode of ghosts where they're doing improv and you could just lift that 100% out of the show of ghosts and just it ha a bunch of people who don't really understand how improv works and and they uh, and they don't understand when fiction starts and when they and when they're stopping acting and things it's like just 100% a sketch just in the middle of a sitcom that's interesting <laughs> I hadn't really thought about that, but actually, ghosts is pretty much kind of sketch sketches all the way through with a with a kind of s narrative hung onto it. But you can, I think, you could take out almost any scene from uh, from ghosts, and uh, uh, you know, not necessarily know. Well, there's not a lot you need to know, really. Um, I think it's often the case when you have an ensemble sitcom because you've got your you're flitting between um, sort of different pockets yeah. of characters, so it does start to feel quite sketchy as opposed to something like you know Fleabag, yeah, with, you yeah. know, where it's like and you're just all, you're with yeah. one character the whole time. So yeah, and they're all just... writer performers, aren't yeah. they as well? So mm -hmm. you know, they all cut their teeth doing yeah. this for a long time. And they all oh yeah yeah, yeah. And that whole you know those whole fifteen years like, or something mm. before they got the yeah. the ghosts commission. I think I I tweeted about that because I was just going. God, I mean, you cannot say that that group didn't put in the graft because yeah, yeah, yeah. they, they have been working and so well. I, I, actually, I have to say, I prefer Yonderland. I think Yonderland. Oh, funny. it was a great show, yeah. Um, and again, that's just slightly hidden away on Sky. I'm sure Sky, you, that's you can right, probably yeah. still get hold of it, but yeah. Yonderland was, uh, um, I thought was terrific. You mentioned there that you, 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 you have kind of types of sketch that, that you, you, you mm, kind of sum up yeah. in little phrases. So what, uh, can, can, you, yes. uh, can you give us a couple more examples? Sure. So um, I was asked once uh, to sort of put together a little online thing um, for how to write a sketch. And I did that and I sort of said, OK, well, you, at the beginning, in the first three lines, I, when I, I should say when I started teaching, um, I was teaching a lot of improvisers. So I tried to use language that they'd come across before and it actually worked quite well. So I carried on doing so. But uh, in, in improv, you often have to do three line scenes where character A says a line, character B says a line, character A says another line and then you end. 
end. And in that time, you have to establish who the characters are and their relationship to one another, where this is taking place and what's happening. And I think that's a really good transferable skill to sketch comedy because we've only got like 90 seconds, two minutes to tell our story. There's not enough time for it to be ambiguous who these characters are or where this is, unless you're deliberately holding it back to reveal later. Um, but anyway, but so I, <laughs> I go, well, unless it's like literally well, a, a sort of pull back and reveal sketch, like yeah. the not the nine o'clock news sketch where it pulls yeah. out and he's a copper. But yeah. anyway, um, so yeah, I, I, I was I teach who, what, where in the opening three lines, and then like the game of the scene starts, whatever the thing of the scene, the engine of the scene starts. It escalates across the course of the scene, and it pays off in some way at the end. Maybe you thread the needle back to the beginning, or maybe there's another massive escalation or whatever. So I, uh, that's a sort of shape that I teach, and then. Um, this company said, oh, can you give us a list of all the games? And I went, oh, well, that's, there are as many games as there are human thoughts. I, I, can't, I can't give you a list of all the games. But what I can do is, is tell you a bunch of games that come up a lot in sketch comedy. And um, so one of them is like one-upping, you know, for Yorkshireman sketch, the uh, competitive mums on Goodness Gracious Me. They're always one-upping one another. I call it I'm with stupid where character A is explaining something to character B, character B doesn't understand. We look at- There's one of those, there's a really good Go one on. of those. I'm thinking in, um, cause again, the people who then make the movies, so Bill, made by the Horrible Histories people. Which I love. I totally love and it makes me angry. <laughs> I've seen it with my kids eight times. Um, and half the time it was my idea to watch it. But the, in the Monty Python Holy Grail sketch, there's the, the guard leaving. No, 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 you stay here and we'll go, all oh, right, so, so he, you don't let him leave the room. Okay, so right. funny. Yeah. So funny. <laughs> it's, just, it's, like, it's a total I'm with stupid sketch, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So people, yeah, that is endlessly funny to me. And it's always the, the, the sort of the stupid character in the sitcom that I love. Um, so it's, you know, it's Bubble in Absolutely Fabulous. It's mm. Woody in Cheers. It's Rose in The Golden Girls. They're, they're always my favourites. Father Dougal. It's mm. always my favourite character to play. Someone, the happy idiot, mm. a character who is... Uh, stupid but completely comfortable with that and who they are so it often gives them a sort of power as well I, I, it's endlessly amusing to me um, so yeah I teach uh, what I call world's worst which is like someone who is uniquely unqualified for the job that they're doing the two soup sketch is a good example of that yeah. um, so you know what do you need in order to wait on tables you need to be fast efficient know what the what's on the menu be able to read your own handwriting if you're writing it down or memorize it have a good memory um, and then she's the opposite she's slow inefficient can't read her own handwriting doesn't know anything about the menu drops the food and calls them bastards at the end for not leaving a tip so it's just like not someone who's just generally bad someone's uniquely bad at, yeah. at the job specifically bad at the job and yeah. then yeah we look at kind of mapping sketches analogy sketches where it, it a sketch seems to be about one thing but it's actually about another um parody nice and simple parody yeah. sketches but that's yeah, how everybody starts isn't it so yeah. I'm, I'm 46 so anybody roughly my age probably wrote a spoof blind date sketch oh 100 <laughs> percent. Yeah, yeah i've definitely done that <laughs> and people in the next people people 10 years later have all written a pop stars slash you know britain's got talent sketch yeah you know, and it's just like this great format. It's so easy. Everybody knows yeah. what the rules are. The, the who, what, where is kind of done for you. It's yeah. like a, it's like a shortcut to the jokes because you, you have a character, you've got four people sitting in chairs. You have a character come in and say, hello dragons, I'm looking for a hundred thousand pounds for 10% yeah. of my business. And you go, right, I understand it's the apprentice, not the apprentice, it's the dragon's den, go on, off you go. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. well, the apprentice is another great one, actually. You could, you could yeah. it's, it's so formatted that you go, I mean, one of the examples I always give of um, 
how, how do we do parody? You keep a bunch of things the same and then you kind of change one element. So it's The Apprentice, but instead of Lord Sugar, Liza Minnelli is hosting. Or it's uh, it's Darth Vader uh, in Star Wars, but he's got a really high-pitched voice instead of like a deep gravelly voice. And we just see mm. how that would play out. So yeah, changing up one element, that's sort of how I how I go about teaching There's loads of great... Um... There's loads of classic sketch writing in uh, Mitchell and Webb, yeah. actually. Yeah, uh, absolutely, as well, aren't yeah. there? The one, the one about the parody one, the one about the endless amounts of football. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. Where David's just walking around the stadium, just saying, of all the matches that are on, you know, <laughs> and it's like it's, it's 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 done with the full conviction of this is the most important football you'll ever see, but with the reality of the football never ends, and whoever wins, <laughs> yeah, will have to win again. Uh, you know, it's just this endless amount of football. They do a great thing in yeah. that they're able to to parody a whole genre rather than a specific thing as well. Like that's what Number yeah. Wang is, right? That's a parody of like those daytime quizzes where you don't understand. You tune in, and you yeah. go, so what are the rules of this? And so they yeah, managed yeah. to parody a whole. There's a wonderful SNL sketch where they parodied um, all sort of YA novels that have been turned into films. And I think it was called <laughs> The Group Hopper. It's like The Maze Runner and those things. The Group Hopper. Okay. It's like, I'm a virgin and I'm pregnant with your baby <laughs> and just, it's so, so, so funny um, it's a great sketch if, you, if listeners go and look up the group hopper SNL yeah. it's a very very funny sketch <laughs> I just re-watched by the way by you know once you once you get going on YouTube it, it sort of it gets into Rabbit your bloodstream hole, yeah. I, I watched I think I watched that Mitchell and Webb sketch and then the next one it offered me up was the one which is Hello, good evening, and remain indoors. Oh, wonderful, yeah. yeah and and yeah, so, like, yeah. post-pandemic, that's, that, that sketch is even more sinister yeah. than it was during the pandemic. When you look back on it and the fact that it's, like, two years after the event the kind event. of thing. I love it. Yeah. And, and, and we're saying this as literally one of us can't do a thing because they've got COVID, you know. Um, so, yes, very um, good. I was before... In terms of the economy... Go, oh, go on. No, I was going to... Sorry, this is not comedy related, but it is television related. Um, mm. The year before COVID, I was watching Survivors, <laughs> the 70s um, Survivors, which is, it, you know, really does take on a... a a different palette when, when you're post-COVID, um, which yeah. if you've not seen it, listeners, oh my goodness, it, the first season of Survivors is fantastic, wonderful television, but it's like uh, a, a virus has killed off 95% of all humans. Uh, and so the, you're reduced to just a, a few people in all of Britain and they, they have to, you have to learn how to farm and things. There's this, it's basically, I've heard it been, it's been described to me as um, if the good life were a Western, <laughs> which I love. I love, it's a really great way of, 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 of talking about it. There's, um, a wonderful bit where uh, they they've all got sort of rifles and whenever they meet a new person they're going have you been ill and uh so i started saying that during covid like, have you been ill and <laughs> <laughs> then having to explain the reference yeah. oh i only mix with people who have seen survivors no it's um yeah. it's great it's a great show if you've not seen it uh huge recommend i'm sorry dave's no, no. got a question but i was going to pick up on what you've said already though in terms of the the economy mm. that you need in a sketch yes. when you're talking about that yes. five lines yeah i think from a sitcom point of view the worry is that then just goes out the window because you've got 30 pages so we've got ages yeah and then the first scene is invariably nine pages long <laughs> yes um <laughs> and the first the first line a character says is hello <laughs> what a waste come on make every yeah, line it's just work. like oh you know is that, does anyone else want tea or just some really vanilla nothing line and actually all of those skills that you need to make a sketch work it's like you just got to get your sitcom going 
absolutely yeah. as quick as if it's a sketch. Yeah. So all of these characters, uh, all these, and Dave and I read literally hundreds of scripts um, earlier this year. You weren't there, man. Um, and far away look, thousand yard stare. And virtually without exception, the first five pages of every script could have been done in two and a half. That's so interesting. Um, is that fair, Dave? Yeah, absolutely That's so interesting. True. And in fact, I've sort of had a guilty moment just there. Excuse my voice. I am, I am, the, I am he with COVID. Um, <laughs> Have you been ill? I'm, <clears throat> I'm literally working on a script and on, on Monday wrote the opening scene um, and uh, it's nine pages long. Uh, so, and, I was suddenly, and just as yeah. he was saying that, James, I was thinking... I've got to make that scene shorter, haven't I? Uh, well, that's the thing. It's fine if your first draft is nine yeah, pages yeah. long. It's just if, if the draft you're submitting is nine pages long. Yeah, that's yeah. the problem. Um, yeah. I think uh, I think you're right. Yeah, I, I, I like, I always say every line in a sketch, this isn't so much in a, in a sitcom because you have got a little bit more leeway, but uh, I think economy is always good. Um, but yeah, in a sketch, because we've got so little time, you want to make sure like every line is working incredibly hard for you. It's it's paying something, it's setting something up or it's paying something off or it's adding flavour not doing any of that consider cutting it um it's get, no 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 don't consider cutting it cut it, cut it. <laughs> yeah and then then and then if it if, if it is absolutely mission critical mm. it will find its way yes back that's in, interesting it won't make any yeah sense. yeah but if you think you can cut a line you should cut a line therefore cut the line i, I was in a double act for years uh we mold and arrowsmith and uh steve mold who's now in festival of the spoken nerd uh if you're interested okay. he uh we were in a double act for years and we went up to edinburgh and um we we were appalling at cutting material appalling now i look back on it we, steve is amazing and he's a, a a real great joke smith he's able to craft jokes i learned a lot from him and um I'm the one that brings a trillion ideas to the table and then he would try and sort of turn them into sketches. Um, yeah. But one thing we were awful at was was cutting material. Uh, awful. And so it would be, I'm sure Steve would agree with me, um, if we had four different endings to a, a scene, instead of deciding which one was best or trying them out uh, in previews and finding out which one is best, we would just put all of them, mm. one after another, um, which is not what you should do. You need to decide. You need to decide. And that does mean, you know, that phrase, killing your darlings. It might mean there are three yeah. really good jokes that just have to go because you're choosing one that's, that's better, ideally. How many... Um... How many Edinburghs did you do? I, I've done eight. Um, there were th we did three. We did three as as Mold and Arrowsmith, but uh, I did three in sort of various sketch groups, including news reviews. You should have been Arrowsmith and Mold. Well, it's what are you? It is. You would have been higher on the. Could you? Alphabetically, it's nothing else. It's true. That Absolutely. is true. That yeah. is true. That is true. Yeah. Um, I think we thought it sounded a bit clunky, but you are right. We'd have been, you know, those those uh, shows that are called like ah, yeah. that's just yeah, so yeah. they could be first in the fringe program. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah I did eight. So I did uh, yeah three in sketch shows, like including news review, and then three as a double act, and then two solo, and then my third solo show, I just I decided to sort of tour it around various other festivals instead of taking it to Edinburgh, and it was really yeah. nice to do that. <laughs> so I really recommend. Yeah recommend not doing Edinburgh all the time because it's yeah. so expensive. Although, you know, I guess you would recommend doing Edinburgh. Oh yeah, absolutely. You should definitely do Edinburgh if you can. The thing is, I, I temper that with nowadays, it's so prohibitively expensive, um, not just getting in the fringe program and, and you know, all of the overheads of like, yeah. if, you, if you're in one of the paid venues, that's so expensive, but the accommodation is just so prohibitively expensive nowadays. So. 
of course, if you're if you've got the opportunity to do the Edinburgh Fringe, if you've got anyone that can bankroll you or whatever, or you are independently wealthy, like go for it. Uh, I don't want to just blanket go. Yes, you should 100% go to the Edinburgh Fringe because I don't want people to uh, just financially bankrupt themselves uh, for a for a, a festival. I don't think they should do yeah. that. And I think there are other ways of being. I, I was I was in a, a, a children's show with. Um, a younger comedian and there was me and another character comic who we'd gone to Edinburgh every year whereas he just put things out on YouTube and and had this all this following that way and uh, he, we were going but you've got to do Edinburgh you've got to do Edinburgh every year that's what you've got to do and he went why and we both went well because <laughs> <laughs> we, we just we had but nothing come on, really. Of confirmation exactly, right. <laughs> and it was a real eye-opening moment for me that he'd got this brilliant following online, and he didn't have to leave his home. And I thought, God, he's kind of right. Remember... Um, so yeah, I would say it's a wonderful experience. Mm. Don't like absolutely, you really cut your teeth up there if you can, if you can but please don't bankrupt yourself mm. doing it. There are other ways of being discovered and being found. I was going to say, I remember the first year that I didn't do Edinburgh, having done it eleven years running. And oh, I, I was. Wow. It was August, and I was in London, and I, I, I just was completely. On the one hand, I was sort of uh, rudderless and I had no idea what was going on. But then, yeah. on the other hand, I thought, actually, you know, when you're in Edinburgh, Edinburgh is is the whole world. But when you're not in Edinburgh, yeah. the whole world is the whole world, and Edinburgh whole is world just is um, very true. It's a few pages <laughs> in the newspaper. Um, yeah, and, you're completely right. And half an yeah. hour on BBC Two after. And you do, you know. <laughs> yeah. it, horrifyingly humbling experience it is such a bubble it's true yeah but in a way though it does just the, the sketch thing that is really important again if you are going to do youtube i've just i've just become aware of two sketches recently where an actor is playing both parts yeah. And just cutting between themselves doing a sketch. One was one was an infinite number of monkeys thing, which is actually the first thing I did in Edinburgh in 1999. Was the show was called Infinite Number of Monkeys. Um, so you can you, you can make a sketch work for you by playing both oh, yeah. parts, or even better, get another human being who is actually funnier than you uh, to play the other part. Um, but yeah. you, you can sort of do everything. But in those situations, the idea has to be. Yeah. Right, isn't it? Yeah. It I agree. But be. I mean, I think this is the proliferation of, I mean, it's sort of, it was Vine. I was talking about Vine, the six second looping videos. And then Twitter bought Vine and then kind of ran it into the ground and shut it down. Uh, but then sort of all of those Vine stars went over to sort of Instagram video and TikTok and um, I, I guess to a lesser extent the sort of Facebook video as well. Um, and there's loads of people just playing both characters and people mm. people from really different backgrounds like not kind of comedy nerds like us but just people who've got a f little funny idea and like, oh, i'm just gonna put this on i really like that yeah. i think it's i really mean nice. there's a guy i think alistair beckett king he's called um oh yeah he, he's fantastic yeah uh, you know what what he's got and he's obviously he's a great comedy performer and a great writer but he basically does every sketch he does has two opposite people uh, and it's it's yeah. so it's so obviously him in both cases. You know, he's a striking long ginger hair. You know, it can that it, it it's sort of like well, you know when you used to see uh, Harry Hill doing impersonations of uh, of the Queen or something. And it's basically Harry Hill puts a crown on. You know, um, and it, <laughs> it, it it's a, it's a great way, really, isn't it? I mean, I, I, do do you think? Um, uh, do, do you recommend to people as they're starting out um, to, to you know get make make their own stuff? Yeah, 
Yeah, I think yeah, I, I'm gonna make a, a real balancing statement on the so on the one hand. Oh, that's no fun, Gemma. Come on. <laughs> so on the one hand, I think um, I think the days are gone, sadly, where you can just write an amazing script and send it to a producer, and then they will read it and go, "This is wonderful." green light I just if those days ever existed indeed um, but I, I think um, now you you are being discovered people are being discovered through lots of different um, mediums so I think social media of course is one of those you make your little sketches and yeah you get you do live shows and all the rest of it so I think I would yeah I would on the one hand I would hugely encourage people to um, put out stuff make things th themselves put it out there but I would also say it's it's also okay not to put every single idea you ever have out into uh, the ether mm. it's okay to be kind of discerning and go oh, I you know because there was definitely a period I used to run a, a YouTube channel called sketches in my flat um, and it was just a YouTube channel and it was exactly what it sounds like uh, I started out literally recording uh, videos on my webcam that like imagine how shit the quality was um, sort of in 20 2012 on a webcam but then I got better and better equipment and I was doing little sketches in my flat and the idea was uh, I I wouldn't spend any money on them that was like one of my sort of rules I had a bunch of wigs and I would put different wigs on one of my rules was I put out a sketch a week I'm gonna put a sketch out every single week I'm gonna put a piece of material out every week um, and I would say in hindsight, it's kind of a, you don't have to be like churning out material if it's if you're not 100 percent happy with it. And I think there's there's maybe a little bit of, oh, God, I've got to keep I've got to keep relevant by just constantly throwing material out into the ether. And I think it's kind of OK to be discerning as well and go, oh, is this amazing? This sketch, yeah. maybe, maybe I will hold back. Well, <laughs> I think that's fine now, too. The, it's kind of the algorithms dictate it to you, don't they? Really, if you're if you do a sketch keep... that goes really well, you know, if you don't do a sketch next week or the sketch you do next week isn't as doesn't do as well, that's it. You know, you're you're you're. Off I the think that's a, that's a. I think you're absolutely right, Dave. And I think that's a surefire way to kind of burn yourself yeah, out yeah. really quickly. And I and I've seen that with. Uh, with people who just go, I'm yeah. so tired. I also, haven't got anything yeah. this week, and that's okay. I think that's in which that's case fine. you can just be. I mean, I've I've looked at because I've made some YouTube videos about you know sitcom writing and stuff, and I've learned quite a lot about it. And actually, that burnout is a real problem. oh yeah. And actually, therefore, make six. Don't put up any of them yet, and then whilst and then I put agree. up one a week, and then make three more. Yeah, I and then whilst fine. you're you know, and then you've got ten, and then make another one. Then you've made ten, and then look back and just go. What did I learn? How could I do it better? Shall I make another 10? I think there's always this commitment that once you start doing something once a week, you will do that every week for the rest of your life. This is life. true. This is so true. And um... Yeah, like a podcast. It's like, no, don't, you don't have to start a podcast that runs every every week. You know, mm -hmm. this show is fortnightly and we've kept it going for five years. Amazing. Right? Seven years, five years. James. We're nearly yeah. years to see. Great. In fact, we're beyond 200 time, now. Time is bending <laughs> in my brain. Um, but I th but the other thing is also um, just use a medium that works for you. Yeah. So I think for some people, I don't they don't want to be on camera. Yeah. But like, yeah. is there a funny character you could create via a blog? I think hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. People still like reading. Um, yes. And you know, those of us who also used to get comedy albums and books and those yeah. sorts of things. And if Papa you could just Bob. commit to doing a blog <laughs> every week in the voice of a character, I've got an idea for a character who I just think. This is this is this could be a written blog for quite a long time first where I'm finding the voice of this character 
and just sort of calibrating it. And I've sort of so I'm making a few sort of sketches and notes. But even then, I'll probably try and get a few a few weeks, maybe even a couple of months ahead, um, and make use of like Substack. You know, Substack yeah. is a growing blogging medium. It's sort of what we hoped blogging would be ten years ago. But um, have you read? But go on, Jeremy. Oh, you look you like read, you've got. Have you read Dan Tetzel's? Um, uh, dad's army fan fiction i thought it was the funniest <laughs> thing i'd ever read and i keep okay. and i keep I'm thinking about already. it like every every few minutes i keep thinking about it. basically it's like it's like a piece of very very serious fan fiction of, of dad's army and let, uh, if you can you know what i'll send you the link because right. it would be Don't really good if you I'll could link it it's so notes. so uh, it, it cracks me up but yeah it just reminded me that you could be so funny in just text, like you know. Yeah. I mean, obviously, P.G. Woodhouse, Terry Pratchett. Yes. So you know, uh, yes. of course you can. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah it's, um, it's so such but a yeah, funny but piece just of writing. Bearing in mind that you know that you, you probably got seven hundred words to do it to do it, um, but also editing text is a hell of a lot easier than editing video. Oh my god, yeah, uh, for sure. So you know, it's just kind of worth bearing in mind what. Oh no, or I mean, our. Um, our friend, I've suddenly forgotten his name. He's a cartoonist and he tweeted Moose. very, he's a very funny tweet. Moose, Moose oh, Alain. Moose yeah, Alain, right. yeah. Um, you know, he just got funny and got work as a cartoonist through just being really good on Twitter. Yeah, um, yeah. he is, and, he is very know, good value on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and those things, if you keep doing them, then you will get some kind of traction. Yeah. I would, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'd be interested to know though, um, I know you run a lot of um, sketch classes and things and you obviously do yes. get a lot of writer performer people, but well, um, yeah. we, we have a lot of listeners um, who would never want to perform as James We're just saying. writers, How, yeah. What, what advice do you give to people who want to write sketches uh, in this so, non-sketch world? Yeah. Uh, just what who want to just be writers and I think it is tougher I think it's absolutely tougher because you know if you are a writer performer you've automatically got an outlet you you perform it so you're absolutely right it is harder for for pure writers um ultimately you, if you're writing anything that's scripted a human is going to be performing that at some point so you might as well team up with a performer earlier sooner rather than later like so I think um going to something like not necessarily my there are other other sketch classes are available but not necessarily my classes but it just they're rubbish meeting. yours is the best <laughs> yeah it's very nice but um the reason i think it, it's it's good is like it creates a little community of people i think that's kind of what you need there's also uh london comedy writers a bunch of my ex-students have um got a group together they're called next level um and they they run a monthly night at london bridge um and which you should look up, it's very good. I have nothing to do with it. Genuinely, I just taught them. They they are running it themselves. They're, they're brilliant. Um, and they had a, during COVID, they ran a podcast as well called Next Level Sketch as well. And sometimes it was just sketches. Uh, and then they decided to theme them. And so there's one that's at a theme park. There's one that's at a, uh, all set in a supermarket. It's really good, ambitious. And um, yeah, and they've now got a little community and they have like a writing collective as well. So they meet up, they share sketches and then they swap ideas on how they can improve it. Some of those people are performing performers as well so it, you can there is a great way that you can have your sketches read out loud and then performed by people in a in a live night so not necessarily that because there are other ones that are available but like there so I would say te team up with people as soon as possible is the best advice yeah. I can give really and I, I, it's a nerve-wracking thing isn't it as well for people to, for sure. to hear you know that when when oh, yeah when the I mean, the first time you ever go to a read-through of a, of your script, for instance. I mean, I I I found that the scariest thing ever. 
and you know, I've done. Why aren't they reading it the way I read it in my head? Well, like, yeah. they're just running. They're not reading it properly. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, yeah. it is a scary these, experience. These, these brilliant actors, they just don't know how to read my comedy. <laughs> it's all their fault. But that's. Uh, I, I... Oh, Olivia Coleman's just ruined another <laughs> one of my jokes. <laughs> Uh, every bloody time god's sake i'm bloody yeah, yeah. amateurs um <laughs> i'd uh, interested to know from your your own uh writing skills as well how you know what what what's your sort of um what's the what's the journey of your script you you, you explain there pretty well how you kind of um uh to, to people how how to come up with sketches but how do you generate ideas and then how how does that kind of honed down into however many you end up giving Tracy Ullman. I am, um, do you know, I, I'm, I'm not great at just sitting down and coming up with ideas. I think you get, I, I get ideas on the fly as I'm going around. So it's really important to have a note in your notes app that is just for ideas uh, or, or a, you know, a, note, a notepad, a physical notepad and pen that you carry around with yourself because I, I tend to, you know, just sitting down in front of a blank screen and looking at the winking cursor is is not an inspiring uh, situation for me. And I literally, I had a little moment of remembering this literally yesterday. I'm, I'm writing my Radio 4 show at the moment and I'm writing, the, I've, there are a lot of sketches, they're already written, but then I'm writing a little through line and I just went right I'm gonna write the through lines today and then sat down like achingly trying to pull out ideas and I, and I realized that I hadn't gone away and thought about what the through lines were so I needed to walk around have a think jot some ideas down and then sit down and write it so yeah I'm not someone that can just sit down and look at a, a, a blinking cursor mm. and find that a very fruitful way of coming up with ideas I need to be looking out at the world and seeing things. I remember that I was on um, a tube train once and there was uh, an advert for vitamins, for like some vitamin supplements that was really kind of grossly worded and it was sort of bordering on... <laughs> have you got a toddler if you don't give them our vitamins you're probably a really bad parent like it wasn't as bad as that but it was almost as bad as that and um i i got my sort of laptop out and jotted down almost a whole sketch based off of that kind of manipulation tactics of that advert because it just arrived just it was only because i'd seen that advert i wasn't thinking about vitamins that wouldn't have occurred to me so mm -hmm. i need to things need to happen to me and for me to notice things <laughs> otherwise a great piece of advice i had um from the comedian tom crowley who has a brilliant um podcast called crowley time he always said um if you want to change your output change your input so if like you're not happy with the stuff you're writing or you're not writing much you need to change your input and so change the things that you are putting in to yourself so what you are where, where you are looking so you maybe go for a walk or you, what you are watching at the moment so watch some start completely different programs that you're watching or read something different i think it's a genuinely great piece of advice and one that i have followed i had a special uh, which went out last year and then that has been commissioned for a series of uh, four episodes the title will probably change, um, but uh, yeah, the the premise of the special. Well, it was it was interesting because uh, the premise changed because we were meant to be recording it at the radio, probably at the radio theatre in April twenty twenty. <laughs> so oh, wow. uh, that uh, that uh, went uh, down the swanee. So <laughs> yeah, the premise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I spent the next few months 
rewriting it to be a dobbing new... rocking backwards well, and forwards yeah, true. Yeah. once i'd finished that i then yeah, rewrote right. it as a, a non-audience show because it was always going to be an audience show that was the whole idea and i felt that because i'd lost the live audience which would be something that bound the show together that we are performers in front of an actual audience performing it i felt like it needed a bit more of a through line it needed a little thread that sort of just felt like you'd lost that so I need you needed a little thread and um so I <laughs> a genuine thing that happened to me was the last person I saw before lockdown happened was Hugh Dennis because I was recording the now show and I said goodbye to him and went home and he was the last person <laughs> I saw uh, in person through all of uh, all of lockdown um, and so I just came up with the idea that Gemma had got Gemma the character of Gemma had mm. got stuck in um, broadcasting house and locked in for lockdown because I knew that the episode was going to be going out during the second or third lockdown i knew it was okay. anyway i knew it was going to be going out during a lockdown so i thought oh okay well Gemma's, 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 yeah, Gemma's locked in in uh, broadcasting house and can't get out, and that's the little through line that will take us through. That she's just trying, wandering around, wandering around broadcasting house on her own, opening uh, cupboards, and you know. Oh, that's a brilliant so, idea. Yeah, it's fun. It's a fun. Also, that's also, great. I, I just love the history of broadcasting. So I was before COVID happened. Um, I'd had a show called, a live show called Earthling, which was about um, the Voyager Golden Records and Carl Sagan, because he's one of my heroes. Mm. And I'd done that and I was like, I'm going to do another show, which is called Auntie, which is going to be about the beginnings of the BBC and broadcasting, because I just, I, I adore uh, the history of, of broadcasting. And um, I'd be, I was working on that and then kind of COVID happened and I went, I'm not going to work on a live show for, for the moment. This doesn't seem like a sensible time to be yeah. uh, working on a live show. And so I brought some of the bits of research I'd been doing for that into, the, mm. I talked to the ghost of Lord Reith in, um, in that, in that special. Um, so yeah, it's, a, it's, I, I just, it's a kind of my uh, love of old broadcasting history, basically I right. brought into that. Yeah, Brilliant. and there was a rumor that there's like a secret underground station that only serves. It's not true, uh, but uh, the... <laughs> well, there, I mean, there is there, there is one at Down Street, which was the cabinet war before the That's cabinet right. war rooms were built. But I love the idea that you could get to that one <laughs> from somewhere under the place. Or love it. <laughs> so we should probably uh, bring this bring this uh, into land. Um, where, when when will we be able to hear this show? It's, Do you have any idea? It's in yeah. the autumn. We are recording in August, so I won't be in right. Edinburgh because I'm going to be in London recording the show. Um, You're going to be earning money very, rather imagine. than flashing it down the down the toilet. <laughs> What's a novelty? Um, so we are recording it in August, so it's going to be broadcast in autumn this year, 2022. Yeah, exciting. Brilliant. <laughs> I am so envious of your surname, Aerosmith. It's great, isn't it? Disgusting. I do like it. <laughs> yeah, it could only be better if it was Aerosmith. That's you know? Well, I, mean, I have had that accidentally yeah. written quite a lot okay, of times. Yeah, I can imagine a uh, predictive text thing might, uh, <laughs> might do that. But an Aerosmith is a thing, Yeah, isn't yeah, it? you make the arrows uh, and then the Fletcher makes the flights. That makes goes the flights. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Fletcher, mm -hmm. yeah, that's right. Fletcher and Harrison, <laughs> absolutely great. Well, on that sitcom note, we should probably leave these leave it alone. Um, Gemma, thanks so Pleasure. much for being with us. We really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for and having me here. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. There's Patreon and stuff, but we'll speak to you next time. Bye bye.